This is Mainspring Family Wellness, where transformation takes root. This podcast is for parents pursuing both personal growth and family wellness. We will cover relevant topics that help us reflect, make educated choices, and parent effectively. My name is Kristen Perlmutter. I'm an educator, a philanthropist, and a mother of three who is passionate about personal growth and seeing families at their optimal wellness. And I'm Dr. Jenna Flowers, a marriage and family therapist, author of The Conscious Parent's Guide to Co-Parenting, speaker, and mother of three. Welcome to Mainspring Family Wellness, episode 32. In this time of COVID, families have had to figure out how to navigate online and hybrid learning. As parents, we have all had to pivot, and one of the top questions on the minds of parents has been, what if my child is left behind? I mean, what if one of the consequences of the pandemic is my child is not reaching the milestones necessary for their grade, and they're at a deficit? High school parents share the same concerns when it comes to applying for colleges, and how do you demonstrate excellence on a college resume? Are they prepared? Are we prepared? And what if your child wasn't even thriving before COVID and had mental health issues or learning differences that really impacted their self-esteems? It's hard enough to foster a love of learning in regular circumstances, let alone during a pandemic. Well, Kristen and I have asked Fusion Academy to join us on Mainspring Family Wellness to shine some light on the current situation in families and the education system, what we're faced with as a result of the pandemic. And we are delighted to have in the studio today the Huntington Beach and Mission Viejo Head of Schools for Fusion Academy, Vanessa Carell and Robin Podway. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. It's good to be here. Thank you. So, Robin, could you tell us a little bit about Fusion Academy and how it originated? Sure. Um, So, Fusion is a one-to-one school. We serve a population of students in middle and high school. Um, We have two in Orange County, and there are over 60 across the United States. Um, We've been... um, It started out as an individual school. This is our creation story. It's not a myth. It's a real story. But it started as an individual school in Solana Beach, serving a population of students with special needs Um, at the time when some of your listeners will remember this, when Ronald Reagan was president, there was a moment in time when funding was ended for um, certain kinds of programs for people with psychological concerns and the owner of the um, the woman that was handling these students um, brought these students into her home and began to teach them in her home. And over time, and this is probably 30 years ago, but over time, she started a school. It was in just an independent high school, got accreditation and um, and was a standalone school for many years. It was recently in the last 10 years purchased by a company that has replicated it across the country. And so we serve a population of students who, who, for whom the traditional system doesn't work. And that could be because of learning challenges. It can be because of mental health issues. It can be because of, we have students in certain locations that are actors and need a special kind of a schedule or athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fusion, one-to-one wow. Well, as we all know, the pandemic has hit students across the world, and even in Orange County, the public school yo-yo effect of, are we going back to school? Are we not back at school? 
shorter hours for online learning, and back-at-school learning. So it's been a major stressor for families. And so many families are concerned about their children being behind, which is really valid. I think last spring, when all the kids were sent home because of the stay-at-home orders, people felt like, okay, a few months of this isn't going to go, you know, isn't going to completely total us, but and put my kids behind. But now we're moving towards a full year, and it's like, help! You know, what are you, what are you both sh- um, sharing with parents to reduce their anxiety right now? And what are you seeing on your campuses? Something that I have been sharing with families. Um, is I just remind families what the purpose of school is. Um, The purpose of school is not just for learning. The purpose of school is to develop confidence in your ability to learn. The purpose of school is to get curious and to let that curiosity drive you toward your passions and interests. Um, The purpose of school is to engage your mind in a different way. And so what I tell a lot of families when they come in and they say like, this year has been wasted, I know what that feels like because my own two children who are too young for fusion currently, um, they, we've, we've had that experience. And what I tell to families is it's not too late. It's never too late. When you consider what the real purpose of schooling is developing critical thinking skills, um, really challenging yourself. Um, it's never too late to do that. So come in, let's get you going and we can make up those challenges that they've experienced over the last year. Um, But really, like I tell parents, take a deep breath because all is not lost. There's still time to get caught up on content. But more importantly, how can we get your kid re-engaged in school? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, re-engaged. A lot of families. Yeah, re-engagement, I think, is so key. And also because re-engagement has been so difficult during COVID. It has. Yes. It's so challenging. And we don't blame our kids for that. We understand. It's hard to be engaged in a scenario where you're looking at 30 other faces on a screen. And I I watch my own kids do it. They don't even know which screen is their teacher talking. They're looking at their friends (laughs) staring off and playing with fidget toys. It's tough. And so there's a real, a very significant difference that comes in one-to-one learning. And I Mm -hmm. tell parents like, we got you. We got you with that. Don't worry about it. We, we've got that. That's great. So how can you tell if your child isn't landing on proficiency markers for their grade? And, you know, with this school year, it's hard for parents to decipher what the expectation should be. It's Robin, can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, it's an interesting question because that's a really abstract idea, right? Like there are, like to directly answer your question, there's a, California has content standards that are published and all you have to do is look it up on the internet and ask your child, do you know this about, you know, how California was founded if if you happen to be in fifth grade? But, but Mm -hmm. I think more importantly, and Vanessa spoke to this a little bit, um, I think we have to ask ourselves in this year in particular, how much that matters. And and it matters more when you're in high school, for sure, Mm -hmm. because when you're in high school, you're preparing to go to the next step, which is college, which is, which has very specific, it has a very specific beginning, middle and end. But Mm -hmm. in the younger grades, um, there's, as Vanessa said, there's plenty of time to catch up on whether you've memorized 
your times tables. Well, maybe not plenty, but there is time. But whether mm -hmm. you know, in so many other subjects, I think math is a tricky one because it's so very scaffolded one piece on top of another. Um, but knowing the, you know, knowing about the founding of California, knowing all the details, how many details do you need to know? Those are things that are elastic and 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 even in a even in a regular school year, some children know more than others, and so I caution, I caution, I, I actually provide parent support for a lot of parents, and I, I caution them to to not get too attached to um, particular ideas about learning loss, and to be more concerned about the things that Vanessa suggested about about curiosity, about love of learning. Are they spending their free time learning about the things that they're actually interested in? That's real learning. So, mm -hmm. um, so how do you get a child engaged yeah. in, in a love of learning? Oh my goodness. <laughs> that being at Fusion, Robin and I have both been at Fusion for quite some time. Um, I'm coming up on my 10th anniversary and I know that Robin started even before I did. So the question about how to get a student engaged is one of my favorite questions to answer. And it's also honestly the hardest question to answer because at Fusion, everything that we do is individualized. Everything that we do is individualized. So what that looks like is there are times that we will have um, a student in class who is really interested in music, for instance. And we can weave their interest in music into their math class. And we can weave their interest in music into their English class. Mm -hmm. We have students who are really interested in forensic science. They, they love the crime dramas, all those things that like keep me awake at night. They love that. <laughs> and so it's so fun to have a student who in their English class, when they're understanding about the mechanics of writing, rather than reading something that they have no interest in, we make a choice that we prefer for them to learn that content while being engaged. And so they'll read about the history. I mean, this would terrify me, but they'll read about the history of the um, serial killers in and how they affected the World Fair in Chicago. Like, that is the way that you get a kid engaged. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a way to make me afraid to, like, go to bed without checking under the bed. <laughs> But for our it's students, it's either engagement it. or it's the creation of a sociopath. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, you know, but honestly, there are times in science classes that will end class saying we're, we're in ask me anything time. So okay. ask me anything about the content that we've learned. Ask me anything that falls into the realm of this science class. And let's run with that for the last five minutes and spark that curiosity. Okay. Adults just need to step out of the way and let the student go back to being a curious creature. And we were all born curious. Vanessa, you were kind of intimating that schools can hinder engagement. Yes. for their students. Can you speak a little more into that? Yes. I meet with so many families and I know that Robin has the exact same experience as I do. I meet with so many families and so many kids that say, I spend, and this was, this is not unique to COVID. They said this long before COVID started. They will come in and they will say, I spend all day in school 
And then I go home and I do two to three hours of homework. If that, sometimes it's more and it's all busy work. None Mm -hmm. of it matters. None of it is like, I am just filling out worksheets. Right. So many times we forget that the purpose of school is to engage curiosity. I mean, we, we talk about school and we think about college and we think about careers and we think about the idea that we want our kids to be happy. We want them to be fulfilled. And yet we try to get them to just do rote memorization. And, mm-hmm. and, and we like to think, people like to think that that's going to help their kids in the long run. But I know that our philosophy is, why don't you help your kids in the long run by getting them excited, by instilling a love of learning, by asking mm-hmm. really cool questions, by giving practical homework assignments, by teaching them how what they're learning actually matters. And so I think a lot of schools don't do that. And we're very, very fortunate that we're built on the premise of engaging students in a way that is fully individualized for them. Wow. Right. So in some ways, you guys were really prepared for COVID. Like, you're really, yeah, I mean, definitely. like you're set up already for this one on one interaction and engagement. So then for a lot of these kids where they're kind of having a fallout with school right now um, over the past year, you know, probably to reengage them, they mm-hmm. need more of that one on one interaction with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very much and, so. and just to speak directly to that, um, we were. We were so ready. We had just launched the ability to teach our one-to-one classes virtually months, just months before COVID happened. And so we were able to kind of turn on a dime. And now, I mean, in the LA area, they haven't opened any of their schools yet. And and we're able to have really engaging classes one-to-one through a screen. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm not seeing either of you, but, but typically relationships continue to be maintained. They use all kinds of um, apps on the screen so that kids are actually active and and engaged with their teachers, not just through conversation, but also through utilizing Jamboard and different kinds of technology. So it really, I mean, the learning hasn't stopped at all at Fusion. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's great. You were well positioned for this situation. You know, um, I'd like to speak a little more about just kind of depression and how fusion also helps kids with, um, you know, that have struggled with any kind of mental illness or anxiety disorders, um, life changes, life transitions. Um, and I know in my private practice during the pandemic, I've seen just a flurry of kids with depression. Depression is definitely on the rise and suicide has been, uh, on the rise as well. Very sadly. Um, how do you guys address the psychosocial factors for your students? Um, well, our program is really very foundation. You know, Vanessa spoke about engagement, but our and not but and our program is very specifically built upon a foundation of social and emo- social and emotional learning. Um, our teachers are taught from the very beginning that their job is to build a relationship with each student before they ever deliver any content. And, and that, so, so our teachers really know our students and our teachers are mentors for our students. So there's, there's a lot of connection and support. And of course our staff is well-trained in understanding, you know, what's an emergency and what's not and understanding the nature of depression and, 
Um, so I think we're able to serve students who are struggling quite well in that, number one, we're not adding to it because we're not creating situations in which they are not successful. So they're able to build solid relationships. They're able to continue learning. They're, they're having positive reinforcement in their world because our goal is always confidence and success in the learning environment. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not clinicians. We're not right. treating this in any way. But we are definitely creating an environment in which, in which they have the opportunity to flourish with the supports that they have outside of the school. And, and I have to say, and I'm sure Vanessa would say this as well, we've seen many, many students over the years who came to us with depression and anxiety. And anxiety often diminishes that fusion because mm -hmm. so often that's a function of the school system. For many, many, especially middle and high school, for many, many students is really a challenging social situation in which there are there's competition and ranking. And if you are not at the top of the academic or social ladder, in fact, if you're in the middle or at the bottom, there's there's just really awful, awful things that happen interpersonally with kids as well as in the classroom. If a, for the students who, when you're ranking and competing, kids are ranked, ranked and competing in a classroom, the kids that are not doing well are the losers. And mm. I mean, you don't like to think of it that way, but that's really what's happening. And so over time, those kids who are always getting C's and D's, that can't contribute to positive, a positive self-image, right? So right. Um, I have to tell you, I'm a special ed teacher at, at my core, and rarely do I meet with a family who comes to us with anxiety and even depression where there isn't a foundational component that has to do with some sort of challenge in the school system. Mm -hmm. Rarely, rarely, rarely. I was just thinking, Robin, from what you were sharing um, about learning differences. How does Fusion address the learning differences of children and, and meeting them where they're at? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. That's probably one of my favorite questions ever. Um, <laughs> so first of all, Fusion teachers, are their job is to meet the student where they are, to create a plan to motivate the student to learn based upon what they're interested in and what they're capable of. And we, we do cognitive assessments, we do academic assessments. So we have an understanding of that student when they walk in the door, or maybe not when they walk in the door, but we know what they do well. And so maybe a student can't read in 11th grade, but they might have a super high IQ. My campus has a lot of kids like that that are gifted and have a learning challenge. Um, so what we do is we aim for the learning. We want, we motivate them. We want, we want the content to be interesting to them. We want to motivate their learning, but we avoid, we bypass the disability. So I can't teach an 11th grader who has dyslexia how to read. I can partner with some sort of intervention, but that's not what my job is. But my job is, is, is to make sure they don't stop learning because they're inhibited to learn by the content being delivered to them in a book. So I provide the content in another way. Um, mm -hmm. If a student has an audit auditory processing issues, I have an understanding of how I need to deliver that content so that they, so I'm bypassing their challenge, but they're still learning. And, and we're partnering again with 
interventionists to deal with the challenges. You're bypassing the challenge, but yet you're starting to build on their strengths. Absolutely. Always strengths-based. Always. Can you, can you give an example of that? Like if somebody comes in with dyslexia, what is a way that you, that you re-engage that child for learning success? So kind of, so that I have one right now. I have an 11th grader who, who reads at probably a second or third grade level um, and is working with people um, on reading. So I'm delivering content either through Audible books, through video, through visual representations, through dialogue. Um, and the dialogue sometimes needs to be, we need to utilize a text-to-speech or speech-to-text um, application in order so that things get in writing and notes get taken. But, but, the, but the level of the content is, for this particular student, because she's very gifted, the level of the content is college level. They're having conversations about the Constitution at a college level, but they're not using books to do it. And now that doesn't mean we're not asking our kids to read. Even if they struggle with dyslexia, we're still slowly, slowly but surely trying to build that skill. We're not saying we're taking reading off the table. That would not be, we wouldn't be preparing kids for real life if we did that. But we're not creating an obstacle for them that makes them bump up against their learning challenge every single day. I think that also goes back to the self-image concept that we were talking about. Because when you get a student, when we get students who are coming in and they have a long history of what they feel are failures and the rest, their teachers see them, their prior teachers have seen them as failures, not you get a student that really does not believe that they are capable. Yeah. And then you so bypass true. that. And what you see is that even if you start off and you say, for right now, let's take reading off of the table. Let's take mm-hmm. this book literally off of the table. And let's just focus on the content that we're delivering and let's do it in a way that really engages you. You get a student that is more likely to pick up a book again. Because mm-hmm. we took that pressure off of them. And it is amazing what happens. It's amazing what results you get teaching at a school where you are able to say, for now, let's just pause and let's find other ways that you can access this. Let's find other ways that you can feel successful. And then let's, re, let's re-examine this later and let's see what you're willing and able to do now. It is just wild. It's wild. There's so many really cool success stories that I know Robin and I both have on kids that previously had said, I'm not good at this. I can't do this. I'll never go to college. And then we get the phone calls from the parents at the end of 11th grade saying, oh my gosh, my kid was convinced he was not going to college. And now is it too late for us to apply? It's oh, the wow. Thing. It's so incredible to witness that over and over again through the years with so many kids. Wow. Wow. So I, I think this probably is a whole other uh, podcast, but um, we know that you have classes for twice exceptional students. It sounds like you kind of touched on that um, earlier, but can you share more about that population of students and what you what programs you have to offer them? I'm going to take this one just because I have a ton of them. Um, so we, um, a couple of years ago, we, we got a, we, I mean, we serve all kinds of kids in a one-to-one environment. Like they don't really know why, why each other is there, but, um, Mm -hmm. 
over the years, the Huntington Beach campus, and I'm sure others, but we right now, I probably have 70% twice exceptional kids just because people tell each other about us. And mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, it's not really any different than what we've been talking about all along. When you are, one of the things that I wanted to say, going back to that conversation about how do you, how do you engage kids in learning is that like, if you to make it into one, one word almost, or one sentence is you follow the child rather than ask the child to follow you. Mm -hmm. And so when we have a highly gifted student who is really, is an amazing artist, right? So we, we can take the class to whatever level that student can handle because our course content is organized around ideas and skills and literacies rather than very specific things that students need to remember. Mm -hmm. So, but if that student, again, going back to the conversation about a student who has dyslexia, so that student that I was discussing is enrolled in community college. She's dual enrolled. She's enrolled in community college. She's in 12th grade with us this year. And she's probably doing junior or senior college level work in her government and her, um, well, in all of her classes because, Mm -hmm. but we are not, we're using all different kinds of avenues of curriculum delivery mm-hmm. rather than reading in order for her to be able to keep moving forward, to keep, to keep growing and to keep learning. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the, that's the answer, but, but to be quite honest, these kids, when they come to us, they feel like failures because mm-hmm. gifted kids in the traditional system look like they're the ones at the top of the ladder, right? If you're if you're told that if you have a high IQ and you are able to do all the academic things, the reading and the writing and the math and the, you know, you gifted usually looks like a huge success at academics and school. And these are kids who have not been successful in school at all. And so their giftedness is very often hidden and mm-hmm. comes across in you know, arguments with families and arguments with teachers where they're super, super verbal. And that's because they have these, you know, they have these Ferrari brains and bicycle brakes. And sometimes, (laughs) like, sometimes families don't realize that their child is gifted until they're sitting in a room in an intake with me. And I'm hearing the story. And I'm aware, oh, my gosh, your child is not a failure. Mm -hmm. Your child just can't. I don't know, has a writing disability, but what you're telling me is the story of a gifted child. Mm-hmm. So um, it's about, it's all about like not leaning into the deficits really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you're talking, Robin and Vanessa, I'm realizing there's so many private schools that can't address yeah. what, y- what you guys are addressing as well as, uh, you know, the public school system Mm -hmm. too. It really has to be very individualized because there's certain um, private schools, even in our area, they have a certain pedagogy of how they Mm -hmm. approach teaching. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fit in that mold, then it's really tough on that child because Mm -hmm. they do think, oh, what's wrong with me? Everybody else gets it. How come I don't? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I spend a lot of time talking with students and saying that exact same thing. Just because you didn't fit in a system that you used to be in doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means that the system wasn't a good fit. I think Mm -hmm. so often, (laughs) 
on a little bit of a personal level. I remember years ago uh, being in a fitting room and trying on a pair of jeans. And there's that temptation, like if the jeans don't fit, there is a temptation to say like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. I'm so fat. I'm so, (laughs) I'm so out of shape that these jeans don't fit. Well, what if the jeans just don't fit? Mm-hmm. What if you just need to find a different pair of jeans? And sometimes we get kids that yeah. come in and they have such a terrible idea of who they are because the jeans didn't fit. And mm-hmm. maybe they just needed a different fit for a school. And that, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. I spend a lot of time telling kids, there's nothing wrong with you, love bug. Everything about you is just fine as it is. You have your own strengths. I have my own strengths. And now you can take a deep breath because you don't have to try to fit into anything. Here's hmm. a space where you can like run with it in your own way. It's, it's, it's a really different way to approach it. And it, we're very, very fortunate to have so much flexibility in the way that we deliver curriculum and the way that we mentor and the way that we connect, the way that we assess there's just so much flexibility in it and it's wonderful. Wow. I love that analogy of the genes. I think we can all relate to that on some level. Yes. Yeah. Um, so do you have any stories that you can share, success stories from kids that came in, you know, feeling that way and um, you where know, they weren't the right fit, that, that where they were, <laughs> yeah, where they were, weren't the right fit, didn't have the right pair of jeans and, you know, the progress they made and, and kind of where they ended up after going to fusion. We have a student who came to us. um, I guess he was in the end of sixth grade. Strangely, the parents just dropped by as we were closing a couple of years ago. I was the only one there. Um, And his name is Jack. And Jack Jack's parents, this was, this was one of the first families who really didn't understand Jack themselves. Um, but he was failing in school. He was considered a failure by his teachers. He was told very terrible things. The stories that I heard from the parents about names that Jack was called by his teachers, quite mm-hmm. honestly, didn't make much sense to me. Um, and and honestly, even now, they don't make sense to me. We've, we've known this kid for a few years. Um, he had, he hadn't, he didn't have any skills really at like dealing with his emotion. And so when he wouldn't like that something was happening, he would sort of fall apart and start to cry and kind of hide under a table. And this is in sixth grade, right? Like mm. that's not a good look for right. a sixth grader. Sixth graders want to be a little bit cool. And um, talking to the family, evidently he had. I'm going to guess at these numbers, but they're close, like 27 or 28 physical altercations in school by second grade. He had had, he had, he had been, been violent with adults at school. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't find all of that out until this year. He's been with us for a year and a half. Um, Had I heard that in the first place, I might've been a little concerned about this little one, but um but over time, you know, he we worked with him so that there was a safe person for him to go talk to when he was feeling distressed. And and it became clear that that this twice exceptionality was exactly exactly what was happening with Jack. Jack is an incredibly gifted guy 
who struggles with focus and attention and gets very frustrated with himself when his attention can't keep up with his brain and even his own interest. And so he's a, you know, he's getting straight A's at our school. He loves his teachers. He has an amazing, he has, he's a mentor to many of our younger students. Um, it was a complete transformation for the family. He's no longer has any of that. We've never seen even a touch of that violent stuff. Hmm. So really like just being seen, mm -hmm. being understood, being cared for, and then being shown that you really can do it. it mm -hmm. It's miraculous. It is, you know, I mean, I'm so grateful that I get to work at Fusion. And, and I say this to families all the time. Like, yeah, our teachers are great. And yes, you know, we're amazing, whatever. But that's not it. It We have the freedom and we have the guidance and we have the ability to meet kids' needs. And that is magical. If it's okay, I would love to share a story that's on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yes, please. we work with so many different kinds of kids. And we had a student that came to our school a couple of years ago, um, about three years ago, she joined us. And this was a student that by all, like on the outside, this kid was the ideal student. She had um, managed a 4.3 GPA and she was super involved in school and she had a really robust social life. Um, and she actually, I'll get to a really cool thing that she did, but this kid on the outside was just, she checked all of the boxes. And when she came into our school, she joined us as a sophomore. She came in and she was burnt out, tired and burnt out. And I'm looking at this kid sitting across from me and I'm thinking like, oh, love bug, you, you are 15 years old and you're burnt out. And she had put so much time and energy. She had invested so much of herself into doing really well. And, and she was at a very prestigious private school prior to Fusion. And she had just invested so much time all day long at school, all day long doing homework, all night long doing the projects and being on sports teams and doing all the things. And this kid came in and she said, I want out. I want out of the rat race. I'm 15 and I don't want to sacrifice my well-being for my academic success anymore. Hmm. And this was a child who came in and she she didn't need she didn't need us to um, make huge adjustments to what she was learning. She was already very engaged with life and very engaged academically. But this kid wanted to be able, when she was done with school, she wanted to be able to throw a gala with her with her friends. The last year that she was with us in her senior year, she threw a gala for the um, American Cancer Society, and she raised over $70,000 with wow. her, and her friends doing this thing. That is a kid that she does not need us to fix any problems. She just needs the adults in her life to step out of the way so that she can live into all of the greatness that she has inside of her and that mm. she is determined to share with the world. And so we get kids that really struggle, but we also get kids who are wonderful, engaged um, empathetic, kind, successful kids 
that just want to shine without having to sacrifice their own sense of well-being in order to pursue the things that they love and to give back to the world. And Mm -hmm. so it's really, really cool to be on a campus where you get all of those kids and you get teachers that love to work with all of those kids. Um, So much fun. Wow. Wow. That's a great story. It's a really good story. I'm just curious, how does that work when it comes to transcripts for college when kids graduate out of fusion? Is it the same as any other high school because it's an accredited? It's exactly the same. We are fully accredited. So they would take their transcript and they would send it off to USC, which is where the girl um, that I was just talking about, which is where she went to college. And um, it works just the same. I'm so curious about what what have you been most surprised about with your students during during COVID? Such an interesting question. Um, So we have, you know, as we said before, a lot of our program has stayed consistent and there, there have definitely been kids that have just not wanted to deal with the virtual. It's been pretty small. I would say one or two out of 50 or 60. But one of the things that we have seen is that a a few of the kids, more than one or two have really thrived in this environment socially Mm. and also in their classrooms. So we have, we, on our campuses, we have a, lovely living room kind of social space where the kids do their homework and they hang out and 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 um and there's a very live thriving social environment in our physical in our physical spaces Mm -hmm. and we we aimed to create that in the virtual space so there's a homework cafe we call it the homework cafe where students hang out together they play games they do all kinds of things like that online in a zoom room and they play virtual games and whatever Um, we found that some of the kids who really struggle, struggle with social anxiety have been able to show up and engage with the social environment in the virtual space. And Mm -hmm. it's not that uncommon that kids have social anxiety, especially now. I feel like in my almost 30 years in education, I see more and more social anxiety all the time. And Mm -hmm. so kids who struggle, some of the kids that we have that, that, are on the autism spectrum that I've sort of, that group of kids I've noticed have been really engaged in like debate club and philosophy club in the virtual space. Cause there's not the anxiety of stepping into a room, you know, you can even leave your screen off and still be engaged with the community. So I think it's worth noting that, that there, there have been some gifts in this very challenging time. Yeah. That's a great exposure exercise mm-hmm. for kids with social anxiety. Yep. Mm-hmm. How about you, Vanessa? I'm bursting at the seams because as a parent, um, I what what has really surprised me with our kids during this COVID time is how many kids come onto campus. I'm trying not to crack up right now. How many kids come onto campus and say, I just really want to be back in school. And I just like, you just never imagined that kids are going to say that, but it's so, so precious to see how many kids, but it's not just physically being back at school. It's like, I, I really did miss learning. I really miss interacting with a teacher in a way that I am seen through more than just a screen. It's so, so fun to hear kids say that. Um, I don't think. It, it often surprises the parents, but 
we've been around long enough now as administrators that like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know your kid misses school. We all miss school. Um, we're very, very grateful that we can do it. It's so, it's so rewarding to be able to say to the kids, like, I know you miss it and we, we can do that. Yeah. That is nice to hear. Yeah. Refreshing. Um, so Vanessa, can you please um, speak a little more about how kids are mentored at Fusion Academy? Yes. I, as parents, there comes a time in every parent's life that none of us are prepared for. Um, and it's that point that your child, when you give them very sound and sage advice, it's the point that your child rolls their eyes at you. Uh, it's a, none of us are prepared for that. Uh, and the really, really nice thing about being in a program like fusion that is one-to-one is that our teachers are also mentors that is in their job title. It's teacher slash mentor. And so when we give the same sage sound advice, the kids don't roll their eyes at us. Um, so it's really, really fun to see, but the truth of the matter is also that when you develop a one-to-one relationship with a student that's sitting across from you, virtually or otherwise, um, when you develop that relationship, there are times that we as mentors will say, I know that you're really anxious about college. Let me tell you about the fact that it took me eight years to get my undergrad degree. Let me tell you what happened in my life, mm-hmm. you know? And a student, like I just recently had a student and I told her about my, my own personal college journey. And she looked at me and she said, you know, all of my friends seem to know all of the details of the next five years of their lives. And I don't know any of the details. And I'm really, really glad that you told me that story about what your experience was like, because I don't feel so bad that compared to everyone else. I'm doing things a little bit differently. And Mm -hmm. it's just so powerful to watch a student and to watch those light bulbs go off, not just from what they're learning academically, not just about their skills, but like taking a deep breath and saying, maybe I am okay. Maybe I'm going to be okay. Maybe I don't have to be so stressed out. Maybe there's nothing wrong with me. It's just so, so rewarding. And we really take that part of our roles as seriously as we take the academic component because we don't just have little learning machines in front of us. We have humans who have a broad range of emotions, who have a broad range of skills. And um, it really is so rewarding to be able to factor that into the experience that we're providing for all of our students. Wow. It it sounds like they found the right pair of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you so much, Robin Podway and Vanessa Carell, the heads of schools for Fusion Academy, for joining us today on Mainspring Family Wellness. You guys have been a wealth of information. Thank you for what you're doing in our local community in Orange County. It just sounds like you serve such a, a purpose for kids to re-engage and be just delighted in learning, which isn't that one of the goals for all of us, right? To, to have a, and foster a love of learning. Thank you for being Definitely. on the show today. Thank so you. Thank you.